0: Now, I know you've said to yourself, I should write a book about this. Well, you should. What's stopping you? Not having a literary agent? Not having a publicist? Not having a publisher? Well, join me and author Lydia Mack of I Put My Pants On For This when we get carried away about all things self-publishing. Welcome to Carried Away. I'm Carrie Murray, founder of the Bra Network, and I am here today with Bra member Lydia Mack, author extraordinaire and copywriter. What what's your official title? Just author?
1: Badass? Uh, I just say like badass bitch. No, um, that works. (laughs) I just say writer because it's already so like broad. Yes, you write. What what won't you write? uh social media posts. Oh very good. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> this is why she's no, not no. in this Facebook Live
0: right now because Lydia <laughs> broke up with Facebook a long time ago. And can you blame her? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um so her book, I put my pants on for this, uh, is a collection of essays that you I mean, some stories start in your childhood all the way up until like today. Um I really loved it. I have to say I think some of my favorite writing is when, as you're reading it, you're like, oh yeah, I can picture myself in that. Oh yeah, I've been in that situation. Oh yeah. Although it's, it have occurred to me in the 80s, um, or <laughs> where your childhood was in the 90s, there was, anytime I can picture myself in the stories you're telling, I feel like is a really good, you know, way to tell a story, um, to get your reader really drawn in. So every chapter I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I can not only visualize it, but I can picture myself in either a similar situation, especially In the mistakes chapter. Um, So, and the Peking duck. I love that one too. But um, just for, you know, what made you want to put this together? What was kind of what spawned this idea?
1: So, um, I had actually been working on a lot of those essays for a few years. And um, a few of them, like you would see in the book, you know, it says like originally published on Hello Giggles and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, And so I had always had this idea to put it together as a collection. but it, that was like a lot of work, yeah. <laughs> a lot of planning that I just didn't feel um any sense of urgency to do, right, so okay. it was like and I think a lot of people feel that way when they're like, "I want to write a book one day," and then it just kind of like stays like, forgive the pun, shelved yeah back <laughs> to the brain. I love it um, but uh what really um I think made me like um, create a sense of urgency is, um, the fact that I am pregnant right now. And Mm -hmm. I was like, um, I have always wanted to do this for myself. And, um, part of what had been like delayed over time because i've been working on this for four years oh um, wow and, okay yeah um and so one of the delays was that i had originally wanted the validation of a real, like a real publisher right like the big five penguin sure. you know HarperCollins, whatever so i had um been kind of like half-assing the query process trying to find an agent because you cannot get to the big publishers without an agent right so much like film oh. or you know tv or whatever All right, right actors right yeah So, um, I had been querying people, but like, not really. And then like that process takes like, uh, anywhere between like 30 days to a year to hear back. And then it's usually a rejection. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. So you kind of like put your foot on the gas and then take it off and continue with your like other work or real life or whatever. And, um, I just hit a point where I was like, uh, I don't want to wait anymore, right? Like I'm going to have a kid, my life is going to change. I'm not necessarily going to have the time or the the headspace to be like, let me, what about those passion projects? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm going to be knee deep in diapers and shit. Right. So, um, I wanted to, uh, to create my own sense of urgency in that sense. And then I decided to just go the self-publishing route because I would have full creative control and I wouldn't have to rely on um, someone else's timeline, someone else to like accept my book, first of all. Mm. Um, and even if I had found an agent, let's say like yesterday, they have to sell the book to the publisher, right? So there was no control over timeline, um, no guarantee that it would ever see the light of day. Ah, so when you
0: if you get an agent and an agent sends it to HarperCollins or whatever, and, and they take, they say yes, can they edit it without telling you or um, in that
1: process before they publish it? What they'll do is they will tell you because they want you to do it. Right. <laughs> so they'll make you do it. Um, so so finding um, a traditional publisher is great if you have those means, right? Like There are a lot of people who do have those contacts and had really great um, experiences working with Um, really good, like, marketing teams at HarperCollins Mm. or or wherever, right? But um, what happens is you lose creative control, but you're still an active participant. The biggest um, perk, I'd say, is that you get an advance, Ah, (laughs) um, right? So, like, they give you an advance because they're like, hey, for the next, you know, six to 12 months, you work for us because you're only going to do this until the book is released, right? Gotcha. they give you that advance, and then they have the distribution networks that like no one else has. But yeah. the downside of that is um, you have to pay back your advance if you a drop out um, or to b finish the book. <laughs> yeah, or um, and what they they collect the advance back after the book comes out um, based on your royalties. Uh I never knew that oh yeah, so if you get a book deal and you're like, "Holy shit, they gave me like a fifteen thousand dollar advance right right um, they're going to make it back,
0: <laughs> so they'll pay themselves first, and then after they've paid themselves back from your royal not royalties from your advance then then you start getting a little percentage what, of their sales you
1: will do you'll get a little bit from like a book sale, but let's say it, it depends on your deal, right, so that's why you need an agent. But let's say you, let's say you sell your book, they give you a $15,000 advance, then like in your contract somewhere negotiated is the deal of how they make their money back. It's like Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank. Sure. You still make like, let's say, you know, 20 cents per dollar or some, or like mm-hmm. for like one copy of the book or whatever. But um, until you pass like a certain threshold, like let's say a thousand copies are sold, then you won't reach the next tier of royalty payouts.
0: So oh, you know I what see. I'm saying? Yeah.
1: So you the money up front from the advance, but the actual amount that you make on the per book sale is quite low unless you become like, Oprah's book club. And then you hit that second or third tier of books. Sure. So you know what I mean? So it is, um, it works really wow. well for, um, you reality TV stars and sure. celebrities yeah. who have negotiating power, but, um, realistically, if it was someone like me, and if I even got lucky enough to get a book deal with a traditional publisher, um, you know, it's, you, it's not like I'm quitting my day job anytime soon and on top of that you're relinquishing full creative control so so my um when I was in grad school at USC one of the the most pivotal stories I had heard was um there was a book we read um in my writing program and I can't remember it right now but the whole premise of the book was that um this woman was raised in the 70s with um her, her sister, and then you find out halfway through the book that her sister was actually a chimp, like a lab chimp. Oh, <laughs> and it was super cool. Uh, it was a great it was a great book. But um, the publisher put um, put a chimp on the cover. Oh no! <laughs> right. And it was like this source of like contention through the process. Um, but eventually, she she lost that battle. They made the chimp very small, but like. Uh, you know, those are the kind of mm. things that you have to compromise, right? right. Um, oh, I see. Right. Wow. And, and you work for them. So when you're doing promo or, or whatever, yes, they have an in-house marketing team that helps you get your book out and all that stuff. But um, you still have to do your own outreach. A lot of people hire their own PR company in conjunction with, with the agent and with the publisher and the whole thing, the right. whole machine. And yeah. and think about that—you're giving away more. Mm-hmm.
0: That's another five percent. Yeah. Right.
1: So. Oh. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like a whole world, uh, which I won't like go into too much, but that—that's like basically the what I was uh, the world that I was familiar with, and mm-hmm. what um, sort of pushed me to be like. Maybe I should just do this myself. I have the right? resources, you
0: know. Yeah, in your program at USC, do they do they push students to get the agent, get the publisher, get or get hired by the New York Times, or or do they push kind of going the rogue independent route?
1: Uh, neither. So there was really um, one thing that I felt was kind of lacking was there was no uh, very little like real world or like what happens after you master your craft here on the this beautiful campus and pay us a shit ton of money. <laughs> um, there was very little like, okay, here are your job prospects. This is what the market is like. Um, mm-hmm. so all that book, you know, kind of familiarity that I got, I actually got working, um, with a friend of mine who got a book deal. Oh, Okay. And I was, like, her, Her, um, she called me her executive director. I was essentially her, like, right-hand position. And okay. so we got to witness this book launch process, um, and I learned through there. It wasn't, USC didn't tell me all that. Yeah,
0: you know, it's so funny. My friend Stacy, I think you know Stacy. She yeah. just posted something on social media, and it was a meme of someone that said, hey, teacher, teach me how to do my taxes. And it said, shut up, kid, we're square dancing. <laughs> I was like, that's exactly what happens." Pretty accurate. Yeah, it's like. I don't want to learn a square dance. I want to, how to pay my taxes. I want to learn how to publish my own book. Yeah. Um, okay. So the kind of self-publishing route, what would you say was the highs and lows of that or the learning curve to doing it yourself? I mean, you won't have an agent on you about a timeline, I'm sure. So you have to be pretty self-disciplined. Um, but yeah, what what would you recommend to someone as like, like things to avoid or things that are like a bonus of doing it yourself?
1: Well, Here's, here's the thing that I think, um, especially like bra members, are not going to be uh, unfamiliar with, is that you have to be, just like any other entrepreneurial endeavor, um, you have to be on top of your shit because no one else, frankly, yeah. cares if you do it or not, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, unless like your spouse or your shared income, maybe is like, right. <laughs> maybe get it together. Right. Um, like, if you don't have that, like, no one, no one cares or knows, like, what, this book brewing in your brain is. Right. Um, so I think procrastination is the hardest thing. Um, and then also of course, like with, with a a lot of the broad members know this, when you run your own business, um, and you do everything from like customer service to like, um you know meeting with distributors and 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 those kinds of things logistics it's not just the fun creative right i'm no. meeting with my graphic designer today kind of <laughs> stuff right um and having to juggle all of those moving pieces is definitely very hard um but even before you get to that that's almost like the second challenge second set of challenges before that you have to write the damn thing yeah right <laughs> and nobody with no deadlines um and no one breathing down your neck uh, there's really lack of accountability. Right. Right. Um, and so even like me, like I'm a writer, I deal with procrastinating all the time. Um, client work, copywriting, guess what? I procrastinate like (laughs) till the day I tell you, I'm going to send it to you. Um, but it's, it's really been such a rewarding experience where like the highs are much higher than I ever anticipated. So I always thought, you know, when you're, you're young and like, as a writer, I was like, Oh, like, you know, I want to see my book in, you know, Barnes and Noble one day or (laughs) whatever. Right. You want that validation um, of having like a real book deal. Uh, And I always grew up having that. Right. But the truth is, I am so much more proud of the book I've created um you know from idea to print like a physical thing than I ever imagined I could have been. Um and that's not to say it's perfect, you know there are um typos and and all this stuff but the way that um the internet <laughs> has really changed um you know publishing and made it possible to Grab this shit by the horns as much as you want to is uh is so fascinating because it can you can publish as much of a piece of shit as you want to, or conversely, like you know something that you are so proud of, yeah, and, and that's how I felt so that's why like the highs were so worth the highs, but that don't mean like the lows weren't low either they' are
0: dark di- dirty it's almost like um authors are catching up with musicians like any you know musician with a a laptop can create an entire album and say, here's my music and here, put it in. And it's now like we, because it's a book, you know, we, and I like to physically touch it, um, where music you can't, but you're, you're finally found like a loophole in this, like, wait, I can do it myself. You Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I could get a printer. I can get a graphic designer. I'm the author. Why don't I take out this, basically this middle person who's taking a percentage of my own creativity.
1: Right. And, and really the, the thing that I'm so grateful for is that, um, is that that I've been a bra member. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> First
0: and foremost, did you know? I was, I was looking for that chapter, like where, <laughs> oh, maybe I'll be in the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: like, I, I, you know, bra members, like, we have these resources, right? Mm-hmm. We have the directory, you want to find an illustrator or a graphic designer, most people who work like in a nine to five, or, um, you know, a more traditional um, type of employment, they don't know the first place to look for um, a copywriter, um, you know, oh, yeah, no clue. Yeah, (laughs) right. So we have all of these resources at our fingertips. And that is one of the things that gave me a push is that like, not only was I like, okay, I can figure out X, Y, and Z, but like, I actually know people, right. Mm -hmm. Who would help me or who I actually want to work with. Um, and I ended up connecting with, um, uh, an illustrator who I had been following for quite some time and I was introduced to her through, um, do the good stuff. Oh, okay. Um, and I, and I loved her work and, um, she had actually done, um, another, you know, self-published book that was more art-based, um, and she illustrated the whole thing, but she was able to share some, you know, insight with me about, like, um, you know, formatting the cover and what I need for the spine and that kind of thing that, like, I didn't know, right? Oh, that's cool. Um, so it was definitely, like, a collaboration, and uh, and that was amazing, right? So, so having all of those resources at our fingertips actually puts... I think freelancers and entrepreneurs add an advantage. And because like, we're already no stranger to wearing multiple hats, right? Project managing ourselves, um, creating our own timelines and all that stuff. If you can get past the like, someone has to make me write it (laughs) part, (laughs) um, the rest is actually like the pieces are are in place, you know?
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So I have bra members every, members that want to write cookbooks or self-help books or coaching books or, or whatever, how did you find like the actual place to submit your content and say, make a book? And how did you pick the size? Like, how did you decide? I, I, to me, it feels like these are essays and I don't know if it's the size or whatever. I was like, oh, I'm going to read little short books as opposed to I got a book around here someplace, like a big chapter book, you know, um, where I'm like, Oh, this is a novel. How did
1: you decide all of that? So um, I am actually writing an ebook about this whole process, like a how to right now. Oh, That's awesome. Yeah. Cause I think uh, there's a lot of things that I, um, that I experienced myself that I was like, Oh, that's, that's an interesting tidbit that someone else might find helpful in the process and stuff. But, um, but basically to answer your question, I had heard through, I think, like an Instagram post from Rupi Carr, the, the poet. Oh, that yeah. She, and she's, you know, blowing up, right? She, yeah. She's everywhere, and she's great. And she um said that her her first book was actually self-published through Amazon. And um, that's the platform I use. And the reason that I started exploring that is specifically because I liked um, something she said about she ordered the proof copy. And she liked, she was really happy with it. She liked the way it felt in her hands, the pages and the quality Mm -hmm. of print was really good. So that sort of already narrowed it down for me because she was someone I really looked up to, right? Um, She's, you know, she's a woman of color. She's kind of Mm -hmm. self-made. She's made poetry cool for a lot of people, right? So I started exploring Amazon's publishing platform, which is called um, Kindle Direct Publishing, KDP. And it is so user friendly. I've got my issues with Amazon and the way they treat employees and don't pay taxes. Right. But they, but damn it, they really, do. when they know their audience, they really do their yes. audience. Yes, they and do. So their platform is very much like step by step, you still have to do the work. Um, a lot of work on your own to because there's nothing that tells you about quality control you're they don't ah. edit content as long as there's no like you know like pornographic stuff you're trying mm-hmm. to print I assume um, right. but like they they really make it easy from start to finish and um, as involved as you want to be it's, it's like, it's all there. You can order proof copies like multiple times. Um, so I, I had done a limited release, right. With friends and family, Mm -hmm. um, before the book officially came out on November 1st and knowing that people would find typos. And, um, I was able to just open my word document, fix those typos and re-upload. And then the next order that somebody got. You're (laughs) kidding. So I'm editing like in real time oh
0: wow oh I found a typo by the way no I didn't <laughs> please
1: <laughs> <laughs> only actually like only my my best friend in New York was like I'm only telling you this because I know it's really important to you uh, but there's you know and she and she watched me through a few but like as as small of a typo that like, I might catch that no one else will I have the ability to Open up my Word document and re-upload it anytime. Wow, then, that's cool. Then, yeah, there's like a um, an approval process, twenty four hours, thirty six oh. hours, and then whoever orders, you know, the next version after that that version is live um, gets the the cleaned up, the newest copy. copy. Oh, that was my next
0: question. Is there a gatekeeper? You know, um, to the content that you're writing, uh, is there someone on Amazon that has to approve it? I mean we don't want people publishing books on how to make, you know, home bombs or whatever, but is, is that part of the approval process?
1: I believe so. They don't actually specify like what's not allowed. Um, but I think they're looking for things like that, that you're not uploading anything like obscene or whatever, but my, my, um, you know, re-upload process, if you will, has always been it's like 24 hours to, to forty. Oh, okay. That's so cool. Fast.
0: Yeah. And then how does that, if you know this, um, work for Audible? Have you ever thought about making this an
1: Audible book? So I've been asked a lot about these audio books. <laughs> and uh, you, I don't know how Audible works specifically, but I know if you want to record your own, um, you know, uh, audio book, you can it's the exact same process, process that I had to spearhead making this a print thing, hiring an illustrator. You know, you would rent studio time, recording, record it, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and it, whether it's you or an actor, I right. I listen to a lot of audiobooks um, because I'm in the car so much. Yeah, yeah I well, think a like, lot of
1: people do. Yeah,
0: so but sometimes it's not the author. Actually, the, m- most of the time it's not the author. Um, but when I listened to Tina Fey's book, it was Tina Fey. But yes. you know she's an actress and yeah. she can give inflection but you know if I'm listening to Big Little Lies it ain't, I'm not listening to L- Lorraine there uh, <laughs> reading her book um, but because this is you know an autobiography in a way um would you consider reading it yourself if you wanted to go in the audible or audiobook track
1: I don't know if I would do the audiobook Path at all, um, so right now it's only paperback. I've thought about doing at some point. Um, I'll do a Kindle version. Um, oh, okay. Which is also very easy to mm-hmm. add on with, with the way Amazon's platform is set up. Nice. Um, but the audio for the, for the rare reasons that you just said, we're like I'm not a voice actor, wow. um, and I think the nature of these essays, are they're short, so most. Feedback I've heard is that people were like, "Oh, I read it cover to cover in one day." Yeah, and like I like I'm sadly a very slow reader.
0: (laughs) Don't don't tell. Taking it in, you're absorbing it more.
1: (laughs) Like I'm such a slow reader, so I understand the um, challenge of like committing to a book, right? Like a paper book. So, um, but I'm also like a big proponent of people reading print because it is nice to hold it in your hands. Oh yeah. Um, but I, but I, with that in mind, I wanted to publish a collection that I felt was easy, like um, to to bring with you somewhere. Beach reading, it's like thin, you can get through it pretty quickly. And then um, for, you know, whatever subsequent books I release, I'm kind of keeping that sort of realistic lifestyle in mind.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I love that. You know, I actually think you have a great market for teenagers. Like uh, my 17 year old daughter, I would want to read this um, as like, look it. it's not just me telling you. <laughs>
1: like these are real things that are happening. <laughs> um, I actually wrote a lot of those um, with, with that, in mind I, because yeah. it was, there are stories that I wish I, um, had heard for comfort, you know, yeah, um, when I was young and like, right. some of it is a little bit, um, you know, adult content, but, um, I don't think it's anything that's like, uh, inappropriate.
0: I agree a hundred percent. Uh, believe me. I mean, I wouldn't give it to my 12 year old, but, uh, by the, (laughs) she's exposed to so much more than I ever was, but, um, and I don't let her have a phone. So I can't imagine what 12 year olds with phones are exposed to, but I I could picture a group of uh, high school seniors, even juniors reading this as like advice. And the yeah. fact that it's short and like right to the point and it has humor, I think you would captivate them because they have the attention span of a fly and a goldfish. And so many girls and myself included at that age was just like, somebody just like me. I'll do whatever you want, like, just like me. Yeah. Like me? Okay. Like, <laughs> validation from the opposite sex was so important to me. It was my driving force for so many things. And this is a great read to be like, oh wait, there's alternatives to that. Mm. Yeah, so I think it's, it's really impressive. Um, you and even reading it as a mom, uh, I was like, "Oh yeah, I got to talk to her about that." <laughs>
1: Great. <laughs> it's like, damn it, <laughs> <That's not> my <laughs> problem. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Like, damn. Um, but it's it's really good. And then uh, you talked about maybe having subsequent series. Would it be like I put my Spanx on for this? I blew out my <laughs> hair for this? Like, what would be? What do you think would be next for you? I've, I maybe your experience with the baby or marriage what do you think
1: I think naturally there will be new essays once I have a baby oh yeah um you know like like and and whether that's more reflection on the past or the way it changes the way I think about life in the future Mm -hmm. present um but the the thing that I love about essays is that they're they're like episodic right so you can binge watch the whole season um right like read the whole cover to cover or you can pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down, and and kind of revisit as you need to. And and my goal was always to write these essays in sort of digestible snapshots, because that's the way that I've experienced my life, right? Is yeah. um, It was moment to moment. And then looking back, it was a series of moments that can be woven together. So I think there, there eventually naturally will be something after I have the baby, however life changes. But, um, you know, there's always, I think, opportunity to, to um, because I have creative control. If I really wanted to put together a bunch of essays that were like, influenced by like the boys to men album, you know, growing up or something like I could, I could. And and now I know how to do it.
0: Yeah. You just, you're saying the hardest part is sitting down and writing.
1: Yeah. And um, procrastination and and editing. And And I think I would like venture to say that, uh, maybe most people who have told you they wanted to write a book are running into that problem. The procrastination. Yeah. Right. Or they get stuck because writing is a process. And if uh, and you know like i i'm a writer i get stuck on client work or you know creative work too but um not everybody i think knows how to dig themselves out of it like right? some people it's better to hire someone else to bring to bring in an editor early on and then other times it's better to give it breathing room yeah um, there like there was an essay the second essay in the book called kits are a uh, village um i wrote that like so many times. I think I rewrote it like at least five times. And it was multiple essays that I tried um, meshing together, mm. scrapping, starting fresh. And um, and for a while, I was just like, maybe it doesn't even belong in the book. But I gave it breathing room and something told me to keep going with this particular essay. And then it ended up being you know something that's sort of like one day lightning bolt figured out how to weave it all together Um, and so that part of the creative process is is hard and a lot of people quit at that point yeah you
0: know no and I think that essay actually is is really needed because you're you know an American girl technically but you don't look American Mm -hmm. and you're going back to Thailand and living there and you're like well wait a minute Um, I think it really I think it was really poignant and needed because it really spoke to later chapters as well especially when you met dreamy white husband like it was like I like that and your family and and your mother and all the pieces I think it was important to have it so you made a good choice keeping it in thank you um one of the things I wanted to ask you just to switch gears here is at the bottom of some of your essays you put originally posted in hello giggles Mm -hmm. um, how did you get did you submit to hello giggles did you um how did that come about and do you is it do you have to give them credit is that how that
1: worked they own they own it right everything they publish okay own in like what what's that phrase like in perpetuity of the universe or whatever right like in tv is the same yeah um and so they own it and i had to contact their legal department um tell them what i was planning uh you know i'm planning to self-publish these essays whatever whatever um and they were they were cool about it you know they they sent me um I don't know. I think it was a new, ter- like, terms of use type thing. Oh, okay. Um, that was like, yes, we can use it, you know, um, but no yes, derogatory things about Hello Giggles, and then you have to give us this credit. This is what the text should say, and um, all that, you have to do it within 12 months, which was also sort of like, oh, I have ah. to do <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, So, So there were some, some legal aspects for, um, because Hello Giggles is owned by Time Inc. Mm, okay. But, for example, um, there was an essay in there toward the end called um, The Pain of Remembering that was published by On Our Moon. Mm-hmm. And um, I had not signed a writer agreement with them that said, you know, they own it or anything like that. But, um, I, but you know, from, from my own judgment, I thought it would be best to, you know, credit yeah, think, it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and also let the reader know, right? So they're not like because what if there was a reader that was like, I think I read this. Is it the same person? And there's just Did more to steal
0: it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah.
0: I get it. Okay, well that's good. That's good. Um, all right. Well, sorry, I'm just getting comfortable here. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about my favorite essay. Right. I actually had a few. First, I wanted to ask if do you still have the uh, duck pen?
1: Um, I did until, I want to say about a year and a half ago.
0: Did a you lose ago. it or did it get lost?
1: It got lost. Like once my parents like officially sold the house, mm-hmm. a lot of things that I thought I set aside were like just magically disappeared. Yeah. And then when they moved to Hawaii, um, one of their like shipping containers was also like stolen, like broken into or something. Uh. So we don't actually know when things were lost. Somebody stole
0: that duck pen.
1: <laughs> they were coming after it. Right? It's going to be on eBay in like in a year. <laughs> a
0: minute, I'm going to find it. Um, all right, that's good. Um, so my favorite essay was, it was hard to choose, but I really, really liked Freckles a lot. Um, because as a white woman we feel very differently about tanning skin, like mm-hmm. w- th- women, not me, because I don't want skin cancer. So I'm put, give me the 50 SPF. Like I I don't lay out in the sun. I'm like, no, um, that's why you look 25. Right? <laughs> There's a light here, but, um, but, um, you know, for a lot of white people want to be this tan, tan, tan skin. Um, and a lot of other, any, People of color, I've noticed, like, don't want any kind of color. They want to be as as pale as they can get. And it it's such a a, a, just a weird thing to think about. Um, And I, you know, my best friend growing up, her her family was Korean. Her mother would cover her gloves, all hat, when we would be at softball games. And I would always be like, "What is your mom doing? (laughs) She can't get any freckles." And so I remember thinking that was the strangest thing. But my mom is like body oiled up like hoping to get a tan um one of my favorite things about my daughter is she has freckles on her shoulder right here and she's always had them from the time she was a baby and as she gets you know she spends more time in the sun obviously they come they come in more um what I thought was fascinating and I don't is is there an actual entire beauty line that's committed to whitening your skin and people believe this
1: it's like if you go to CVS mm-hmm. uh, the equivalent of CVS in Bangkok or you turn on the TV um, and you you know you just see like lotion commercials and all that um, a lot of the, the lotion commercials will show you know like the actress right the commercial actress in like a gradient going from darker to lighter wow
0: <laughs> it's really creepy <laughs>
1: um, but like that's just how they, you know, that, that's just this, it's, um, it's colonial era beauty, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. beauty standards. And so when people of color, I think, grow up in the States, um, they have to constantly deal with these conflicting lines, right? Because you have a lot of women of color who are, um, you know, white passing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And get uh, way better treatment, Mm-hmm. you know, in, in the, at the mall or like anywhere. Like, yeah. Right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because that they're, um, falling under, you know, these standards of beauty that we have here, but then like I go to Thailand and, um, you know, it's, it's literally, literally the opposite, which is very confusing for, I think somebody, um, it's confusing for anybody, I think, at any age, but particularly like during formative years, right? When you're like, yeah. "Am I pretty? Like, where do I fall in, yeah. you know, in in the like cultural scope and that kind of thing?" And those questions, and you're self conscious because you're a teenager. Um, so it was really, um, it, it's one of my favorite essays too. So I'm really glad you like it, and, mm-hmm. and I've heard a lot of people who are mixed race. Um, you know they emailed me when it was first published on hello giggles um and and people who have um really been moved by it, and so that makes me feel like very good because the the struggle internally was very hard to articulate as a young yeah. woman, you know, and I can make sense of it now, mm-hmm. but at the time it was it was so confusing you know like i 'm getting the third degree from my mother, but then i 'm going to school, and like my white friends are like. Oh, your freckles are so cute. And right. you know, and very it's very flattering. So you're like, mm-hmm. well fuck, what? what do I do? What My idea?
0: mom, your mom is saying they're a flaw. Yeah. And your your friends and your husband is saying it's what makes you beautiful. Yeah. Um it's so conflicting and so fucked up. <laughs> so so crazy. Um, but it really it that essay really stuck with me about just standards of beauty, but what 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 you know what we perceive, but also what's we see and like i had the complete opposite i wasn't thin enough unless i had tan skin
1: mm-hmm. you know I,
0: like i had to be tan everything was like i went to tanning beds for crying out loud but, you know, <laughs> think, who knows what that did to my dna <laughs> but it was it's such and it's such a the complete opposite like we want to be tanner and every person of color wants to be lighter it's like we can't have what you know we can't have but um i thought that was a great great chapter i also loved Um, mistakes because I had a similar experience. Um, I loved Peking duck because it reminded me growing up. So my grandmother's from Scotland, immigrated to the United States. She'd never had Chinese food before. And there was this place in Oakland that we would go to called Fong's. And it was your traditional Chinese restaurant, Red Table Clots, Lazy Susan. Yeah. she had, you know, Mushu pork, Kung Pao chicken, and fried rice, and the fortune. And we would go as a family and sit at this place. They knew her by name. So reading that chapter, it got me all choked up because my grandmother's no longer with us. But it... it the way you described it the way that they knew your name that you eventually brought your soon to be husband there I loved that chapter so much and how a restaurant despite families ins and outs fights and whatever can bring people together yeah um is when was the last time you went
1: Ooh, I I think that might have been the last time
0: when you brought dreamy white boyfriend. Then,
1: yeah, I think maybe one, maybe one more time before my parents moved. Gotcha. Um, but it's been it's been a few years. But it's you know, it's so nice to have a place, whether it's in your mind or physically, that you can go to, right where yeah. where all the shit in your family or your life literally gets tabled because the food is that good. Right, right. <laughs> you
0: know? Just be quiet. <laughs> get, yeah.
1: Like, this is, this is good enough for right now for all of us to just enjoy. Yeah. And, um, you know, having the family that I did, um, those were very few and far between. Like, the, the places we could do it, the occasions, um, the, the frequency. So, you know, to this day, we still talk about it. It's almost like lore, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, and it's, I bet you could smell something and it'll bring you right back to that, that time and that place and being there with your family and then having your nieces there and and everything. It's just, I just, I loved it. I thought it was, was a great chapter. Um, the other one I liked was, um, sorry, Asian driver, because Uh when I first moved to LA, um, I, you know, (laughs) um, similar to you, I was like, what do you mean I get a parking ticket? What do you mean? It's like, I was really shocked by not only the frequency of parking tickets, but how hardcore they were of it, but just the way people drive here and how, you know, committed we are to our cars Mm -hmm. and that it was a whole part of the LA culture. And I always heard about it like, oh, LA traffic, LA traffic, but it wasn't until I was here that I really understood, oh, it's not only difficult to navigate this is before like Google Maps. I had a Thomas guide, like the big book, <laughs> L42. Okay. This is where I'm going. Um, someplace called the Grove. Um, <laughs> but, um, I thought that was a really, how do you feel about navigate? Well, compare that to like, when you were driving in DC and compared to moving LA, like, did you drive across country or did you pick up a car when you came to LA?
1: I had originally planned to drive, so I moved when I was 23, Mm -hmm. and my original plan was to drive, and my father (laughs) was like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm, and I was like, no, it's way cheaper, you know, I can do it, like, slowly, safely, whatever, and he was like, Lydia, it's only cheaper if you don't eat at Whole Foods every day, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So, um, he he paid to ship my car. Oh, good. Yeah, it was worth it to him. Yeah. And, um, I actually, I actually refuse to drive in DC proper
0: mm-hmm.
1: because there are um, also crazy drivers, but also the traffic patterns are like they make insane. no sense. like different yeah. different times of day. You can have a two lane road, but during the morning rush hour, one is the going opposite. the opposite. Yeah. And guess what? Not everybody gets the memo. <laughs> you know, um, and that's a frequent thing. So I actually don't drive in DC. But the it's funny thing about LA, it's like you said, it's, it's such a part of the culture that it's almost like initiation. Yeah, right? you have to get these shitty parking tickets. You have to be like, wait, what? Like, I was going to the Grove. Like, what, <laughs> what happened? <laughs>
0: With yeah, street cleaning what do you mean you're cleaning the streets why don't all the streets get cleaned and why do you do them all on the same day like I just saw the street cleaning go
1: by why can't I it there you yeah know? he's done <laughs> so, like all of those things it was such a um it that one was sorry Asian Driver was a really fun one to write because yeah um it, it was you know it was obviously like more like lighthearted, but yeah. um it was pretty relatable, I think, for a lot of people with the parking tickets and and that just experience of like, okay, I got, you know, this is, this is a thing in LA. Yeah. You know,
0: it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, Yeah. I also have a very similar experience with the chapter, uh, not pneumonia um, and having an older uncle that had a roommate yes so so that resonated with me as well I was like oh yeah wait a minute I mean I always kind of knew yeah nobody talked about it you know what I mean
1: was this the 80s 80s or 90s 80s yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: late 80s but um and I was like you know 10 so young and nobody's going to talk to me about anything but I would just be like what do you mean it's his roommate (laughs) 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 why do we keep watching Marilyn Monroe movies (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but um, but I overall I think you did a phenomenal job. I'm very proud of you. You should be really proud of yourself. I really um, I think you've given a gift to your daughter, um, and that one day she's going to be able to read through this and be like, what? Um, <laughs> but it's really I. It's kind of like you know how people create baby books or like yeah. wedding albums. I feel like this is some a gift you're going to give to her, and she's going to really see a side of you that you probably won't be able to articulate because you'll be her mother. Right. Um, and your roles will change and everything, but this is, is, it's, it's a little gift. So bravo. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. I hope you guys um, pick up the book. Ooh,
0: thank you for listening to Carried Away, a female forward podcast featuring advice from today's business thought leaders and innovators. To watch clips from these interviews, catch them live or learn more about how the broad Network lifts and supports female entrepreneurs. Head over to Instagram at bra underscore network and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell me what I should get carried away about next. Until then, stay fabulous.